episode 131 of The Brian Oak Show, made possible by Smart Start MN as we are recording here in the Smart Start MN studios. A little Dick Dale to start off the morning because, well, you know, it's cold outside and that's sort of a surfing legendary jam and it's the opposite of surfing outside unless of course you consider doing what I call the Longfellow drift, you know, where you turn the corner and the roads are so icy that your car spins all the way around. Yeah, I got a hybrid, and they promised me that it would handle well in the snow. <laughs> bullshit. Total bullshit. Yeah, no, they meant like, you know, snow like they get two times a year down in North Carolina. They didn't mean like actual Yeah. Like ice, there's just, but here's the deal. The guys in the giant trucks, right? Oh, yeah. They think, well, like, I got this. I'm going to whip by you at 75 miles an hour on the icy roads. Yesterday on my way into workout in Hopkins, I saw three vehicles. All mm-hmm. of them looked like all-wheel drive or four-wheel drive vehicles smashed into the cables of the median and uh, i it was the first traffic jam i've run into in a year by the way so it was almost refreshing but also don't die okay because it's one thing to crash your car many of us have crashed a car mm-hmm. i know that sean has on many occasions That's um, true. is it really true no oh. <laughs> dang it um <laughs> but you know Suddenly then, you know, as much as people have been complaining about how cold it is, and it is it is cold, for sure it's been cold in Minnesota recently for the first time really all winter, but all of a sudden if your car is smashed in the median or stuck in the snow, then negative two is suddenly a much more very real factor in your life. Yeah, that's when you think, I should have brought my gloves with me and my hat and my winter survival kit. My, my least favorite uh, favorite crash story of mine was on a bridge in Burnsville. Don't. There was ice on the bridge. And I was about 100 yards behind the car in front of me and started hitting the brakes. And I'm only going like 20, 25 miles Still an hour. couldn't stop. Still nothing. Still nothing. Still nothing. <laughs> Still nothing. And, and life goes into slow mo at that point. And I'm honking. Yeah. I'm honking, trying to get the person to like get out of my way. Right. They're just oblivious. And they saw me slow motion run right into the back of them. Kind of like at a 20% angle, just wee. And I get out of the boop. car. I'm like, did you not? hear me and see me and they're like yeah well, i didn't know what you were doing yeah and it's minnesota so this one's on you because <laughs> exactly. you know no fault so yeah. uh, do you have a winter survival kit in your vehicle i tell my kids to have one they both have one <laughs> but do i have one right now no i don't i need to have one in there. so like i don't have a snickers bar but i yeah. do have an extra lighter That's which by good. the way if it's cold outside lighters don't work for shit <laughs> I but i do always carry a blanket in my vehicle yeah. and yeah no i and i I actually have extra hat and gloves in my vehicle. You are a good scout. Well, I, I, It's weird, man. As irresponsible and stupid as I have been during the course of my life, there are lessons from scouting. Basically, be prepared, right? Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, yep. that's word, that's, you know, the foundational point. I'm not prepared for everything, but I am prepared for a lot of it. Are you prepared for the upcoming Pinewood Derby? I sucked so hard at the so Pinewood Derby. And my dad was a master craftsman, and he just did not have the time to help me out. So I had uh, basically a triangle with wheels. So my dad is not a master craftsman. He's where I got most of my home improvement <laughs> yeah. skills. There was one year, literally, where it's a rectangle of wood, right? Yeah. Uh, we we managed to saw off that front angle to give it a nose and then put it on the back for a fin. Oh, That nice. was the extent of our work. And then you'd get there, and there were people whose dads had, like, rounded off the oh, yeah. edges to make Whittled. it look like a yeah. Formula One car. <laughs> yeah. And they'd put, like, just the right amount of weight in the mm-hmm. bottom in molten metal to make yeah. it legally, yeah. but just right. And, no, I came in last every single time I did the Pinewood Derby. Yeah, mine just kind of got stuck right away at the top because it was weighted improperly. It just kind of <laughs> stuck to the side. <laughs> And I cried, but you know, 
And here we are today. Yes, we are. It's an important informed part of who Sean is and who I am. Hey, before we get to today's guest, singer-songwriter from Minnesota, one Joe Fahey, um, I wanted to ask you a question. And, you know, we usually save your sponsorship till later in the show, but I wanted to ask you something because you're a realtor for Edina Realty. And it, it occurred to me on my way over here today. So here we are, pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. Year long. Everyone knows it sucks. We're stuck at home. But many, many, many businesses uh, from many different areas of business are going to stay with at least partially if not largely with the work from home model now that they found that it works many people will continue to work from home even when things have completely opened back up and it dawned on me doesn't that free you up to kind of live wherever the hell you feel like living it does um but it doesn't with with what i do i still have to show houses right and so i can't really do that if i'm just doing not remotely but i mean like so for for the person interested in buying or selling a lot of times you want to live as close as possible to where you're going to work absolutely if they're going to be at home you know if, if moving forward they you know design web spaces or i mean going into a workplace it will return but it's going to return in smaller numbers more people will work from home indefinitely, that frees them up to kind of pick where they want to live. Yeah, I don't know if you've heard about downtown Minneapolis, but a lot of those big buildings, they're they're vacant and they're not going to be filled back up again. No, I would not towns. like to own commercial property downtown Minneapolis or downtown St. Paul right now. There's a lot of people that, and then they may have lived, you're right, they may have wanted to live near work so that their commute was only 15 minutes. And right. now if they want to live just out of town, they can do that. Like I'm a, I'm a big fan of small towns that aren't really hick racist type towns. You're thinking like Zombrota. Zombrota's okay. <laughs> I, uh, no, but I, and I like the city. You know, I, I live in the city. Agreed. I like the Me city. Too. I'm not a huge fan of the suburbs just because I've had bad experiences out there. But I spent plenty of time there. I, yeah. I spent 18 years in Coon Rapids. I'm good now. Yeah. And so, you know, you're right. There's There's a lot of people that they're going to make that decision. I think right now, more than anything, people are just like, they either hate their houses or they love them and are fixing them up to make them their dream home. One of the two things. What should they do if they hate their houses? They should call me, 612-859-2594, and that number is also text-worthy. I love that. Um, I am excited. That was a primo spot today, by the way. Unbelievable. Look, man, I... I always forget because I get so caught up in the guests. I'm like, oh, that's right. Sean's here, too. That's right. That's and part of our deal. Sean's a sponsor. <laughs> so, no, you're even before our Smart Start MN spot. God bless you today. Well, Just because, today. you know what? It, <laughs> the sun is out. It is cold outside, but it felt good. And I'm excited to have another Minnesota musician on the show. It's a big part of what we do. We probably have more musicians on than any other type of guest. And mm-hmm. I like to cast a wide net. Let's get as many people on as possible. And it just so happens he's got new music on the way, which we'll talk about coming up very shortly but first i do want to mention that mary wilson died the supremes mary wilson was a founding member of the supremes and i'm not going to be able to do her story justice if you don't know about mary wilson after her time in the supremes and sort of as great as she was living in the shadow of diana ross because diana ross was clearly the superstar oh, yeah. of the supremes right in fact it became diana ross and the supremes at some point and mary wilson would go on to have a fine solo career she was she was fantastic she was incredible but she was only 76 now i feel like when you and i were kids 76 out of the Yeah, like I thought a, that was a good run. That yeah. super old person. <laughs> My dad's 76, and yeah. he frankly is in better physical health than I am. That's true. Shut up, Sean. <laughs> anyway, um, it, but it's true. But when you think about the, the, t- the number of times the Supremes went to number one, yes, Diana Ross was the star, but without 
Mary Wilson behind her uh, without, what, Cindy Songbird, I believe, was the name of the other artist. Is that right? Uh, Am I making really that up? sad about it is you can be <laughs> a band. I don't want to call them a band. A group right. that did so incredibly well, and I have no idea if that's her name. Barry, Gory, Barry Gordy of uh, Heard of him? Motown fame <laughs> said in a statement to NPR recently, I was always proud of Mary. She was quite a star in her own right, and over the years continued to work hard to boost the legacy of the Supremes. Mary Wilson was extremely special to me. She was a trailblazer, a diva, and will be deeply missed. So before we get to our guest, Joe Fahey, was just ahead, a little music from the Supremes here on The Brian Oak Show.
One of my favorite songs by the Supremes, R.I.P. Mary Wilson, gone at the age of 76. We are here recording this episode, episode 131 of The Brian Oak Show. You're right, ma'am. I'm fine. I'm going to make it at least through this episode for sure. Uh, in the Smart Start MN studio here in historic, scenic, beautiful, and somewhat chilly South Minneapolis, right near 48th and Chicago, near the legendary Parkway Theater. And Smart Start MN is the primary and title sponsor of our show. And they have been around for a long time. Here's the deal. People make dumb choices. They drink and drive. They get busted. They lose their license. Ugh. And it not only is it expensive and it's all uphill, but then... Oh, I don't know. Let's just say, for example, you find yourself taking your toddler-aged daughter to daycare every day in a taxi cab because Uber hasn't been invented yet and there aren't other options. What kind of rube do you know that had to do that? I don't know. Some jackass. Um, Anyway, it it can be very, very difficult for you. You need to get back to your regular day-to-day life as soon as possible. Well, it turns out there is a relatively quick, relatively inexpensive, and completely legal way to do that. The people at Smart Start MN are the ones who came up with Minnesota's ignition interlock system. They work with the legislature. They work with the judiciary. The state has to let you back into your vehicle if you do the following things, like get Get the ignition interlock installed in your vehicle. Now you still have to be cool, right? Like you mm-hmm. can't. You got to blow clean. You can't. Yep. You can't like booze up and be like, "I'm back on the road," because that's an asshole move. And I'm sorry that I used a bad word <laughs> in the middle of their spot, but it is. Everyone knows that. I think Ed and Mike would both be nodding their heads, saying, "It is. Don't do that. Just call them." Live your life right and get back on the road with Smart Start MN. Yeah, or you can go to smartstartmn.com slash the Brian Oak Show. They'll give you 20% off the installation of the ignition interlock system. You know, I don't really know today's guest that well, and I wonder if he's all of a sudden regretting being in the Smart Start MN studio. Like, Brian Oak has said asshole like four times already today. What's with all the cursing? <laughs> I don't see how curse words strengthen your point, Mr. Oak. I would like to say hello to Joe Fahey. Joe, how are you? Mom? We're going to go ahead and turn on your mic. That's a little game yeah. we play with our new guest. Uh, <laughs> I'm doing pretty fucking great. And, uh, oh, whoa, whoa. <laughs> no, right to the F-bomb. There are <laughs> limits. Oh, wait a minute. I'm just joking, Joe. There are <laughs> there no are no limits. limits. I do like to save I like, I like to save what I call the powerhouses yeah, to really punctuate a point, but you did it right there. You did it the right way. How are you this morning? You all right? I'm great. I'm really great. Thanks. Good. Thanks for having me here. All right, so, Joe, let's just for people who are not – because I don't think you'll take this the wrong way. Just like Brian Oak is not a household name, I don't know that Joe Joe Fahey is a household name, but among people who make music locally, among the Twin Cities, you are a known quantity, but let's go ahead and benefit the people who are coming to Joe Fahey for the first time. Where are you from? Um, I'm originally from Minneapolis. I was born here, and um, but I moved moved away like the missing years, you know, from like first grade to 12th grade. The missing years? Yeah. Where, where'd you grow up, man? Uh, New York and um, Boulder, Colorado. Right and, on. I and, like Boulder. I've been uh, to Boulder a couple Boulder. times. Yeah, that's the one I always want to go back to. Well, I bet you do. That was a great place to live as a kid. Was that where you f- took your first bong rip? Uh, no, <laughs> that took a couple more states before I got okay. there. Wow, but so yeah, you, but I mean, a, you moved around a lot. It was a kid. hippie town. It was. It was actually a beatnik town. So it's really cool. I mean, we were just little kids and yeah. And there was this hippie so element in town that's really, you well, know, I mean, It still remains exciting. an extremely liberal, sort of arty place. Um, yeah, I love it. Not as many hippies walking around, not as many bell-bottoms. Uh, it's more expensive to live there than it used to be. I know that much. Oh, it's yeah. it's terrible. I got a f- couple friends that moved 
moved out in that area recently, and it's it seems pretty unattainable. But you know, after that, it was a, a like a one eighty move down to Alabama for a couple of few years. Mm-hmm. Can and, I ask you what drew you to Alabama? Because I the one part of the country I've never been to, other than one very brief trip to Atlanta. I've never been to the southeastern quadrant of the United States of America. What yeah. what drew you to Alabama? Well, what, was it the it band was, Alabama? <laughs> <laughs> it was, you know, as a kid, I was just moving with the family, and my dad had uh, taken a job with Ampex Tape. And, uh, so he act- was in the industry, at least peripherally. I mean, working with Ampex Tape, you're going to be around recording studios right. and around mean, musicians. I think, yeah, that's what I think about a lot, you know, yeah. where it was just kind of like, he worked for IBM before, and like in Boulder, you know, and he'd bring stuff home like these, you know, those big reels, recording reels, because wow. that's what they backed up all. It was all computer stuff, mm-hmm. like the two-inch magnetic yeah. tape that they ended up, that years later, I'm in a studio, and there it is again, you know, but we, we'd we have these reels, and we'd throw them like Frisbees and stuff like of that. Of course, because so who cares? Part, part of the culture. <laughs> also, also the kids listening at home. Ampex reels are heavy and dangerous and <laughs> yes. will cut you or, or lacerate you. Don't use them as Frisbees, but when you're kids, yeah. nobody can tell you that. It was safer than jarts, for sure. Yeah, barely. <laughs> barely safer than jarts. All right, so you move around a bunch because yeah. of your dad's working. But then at some point, you come back to Minnesota. You, right. you started here, but you don't really remember. I mean, you were very, very young here, right? Right, And so yeah. what brings you back to Minnesota? I was, again, I was like the last move of the family. I mean, after Alabama, we moved to a small town in Illinois outside, of, by Rockford, actually, you mm-hmm. know, uh, outside of Chicago. A little small town. That's where the first bong rip, I believe, happened. Because <laughs> that's like a small town thing. Right. And then. Oh, we do bong rips in the big city, too. That's what I found out when yeah. I moved to Minneapolis, yeah. And then, uh, so yeah, I moved. <laughs> Moved back to Minneapolis in 76, just in time for my senior year in high school. I went to Patrick Henry. and um, My uncle, it, Pat O'Brien, taught over there. Oh, really? I don't know if you remember well, that name at all, but he was still teaching there in the 70s, an English teacher. Pat O'Brien. I wonder. The, the Italian guy, right? Yeah, he's an Italian guy. It's, I'll have to look it up. I, they had great classes there. I, I mean, I was really interested. I was only there a few hours a day because I was on the work program, and I worked over it like in a print shop and... Were, North, you, northeast. Were, you, were you there when they threw a teacher out the second story window? Because my uncle Pat always tells me that. Oh, gem. no, I, I missed that one. <laughs> yeah, a little rough. But so, uh, when you say you were in the work program, like Hart or DECA, one of those where you're like learning a trade as opposed to going to all the math classes and stuff like that? Yeah, it was kind of a like a family like um, poverty thing or something. Or I, I, Maybe that's the wrong word, but um, working assistance. class. Yeah, and I. But learning a trade. Right, printing, and I had done, that's kind of what I did, you know, I took some classes in high school, and so I ran a printing press, and and I did that, I don't know, it was kind of a good deal for me, because I, when I moved to a new school in senior year, I, you know, I looked for the people in army jackets, smoking cigarettes outside the door, like, these are my people, and Bender. you know, I never really kind of, like, connected and stuff, so. Yeah, no, well, I mean, when you move around a lot like that, I'm sure you get used to it, and you look, mm-hmm. and those are the more interesting people, and that's, again, where the bong rips come in. <laughs> um, at what yeah. point, though, I have to imagine by this point in your life, by senior year in high school, performing music or creating music has to have entered your life, at least in some fashion at this point? Um, I mean, like, yeah, do you like, have a guitar? Do you do you walk around the house singing operatic songs? I mean, at, at what point does music become part of the Joe Fahey equation? Um, well, like as a kid, there was piano lessons, which I hated, you know, like yeah. Chopin and jazz and stuff. 
<laughs> and notes. You know, nobody, I hated those. Nobody comes on this show and talks shit about Chopin. <laughs> oh, I love Chopin. <laughs> okay, I mean, Prelude good. in E minor. I just yeah. listened to it yesterday, in fact. I mean, yeah, I know no, it I, sounds like I'm making it up. But I uh, couldn't name a Chopin composition with a gun to my head. <laughs> but so I do. I, I do really around. love Chopin. But, yeah. Um, but, but no, that, that doesn't. Kid, that didn't, nobody wants that. That as didn't a kid. count as music, you know, because right, it was no. a 60s and AM radio. And, you know, it's just everything, you know. I mean, those were some good radio times. But later in seventh grade in Alabama, they started these mini courses, and one of them was uh, what they called guitar down there instead of guitar. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as a choir teacher, they sent her to two weeks of guitar camp or something. And then she was like two weeks ahead of us. And there's just a whole <laughs> room full of people strumming off time, you know, to. Right. Oh. And, you know, somebody's like, oh, hey, I learned that Partridge Family song. You know, and it, so it's kind of like, then it started getting more real, like, oh, songs from the radio and, you know, stuff well, like But that. then it's fun. Then it's real. So my yeah. wife is a music ed- educator. And we I know both her. know yeah. my wife, exactly. Um, and, uh, you know, mutual <laughs> friends, right, on uh, right. social media. Yeah, yeah we both yeah. know Colleen. We played um, <laughs> played some shows together. I know you. Yeah, yeah, you know her. I, I do. I've met her. Um, <laughs> and uh, But she does the same thing. Like, so as a music educator, she tries to find a way to tie it into what kids are listening to. Now, are they doing an entire section on trap rap? No, they absolutely are not. But does she try to make it as contemporary as possible so that kids aren't, well, frankly, rolling their eyes at Chopin, right? I mean, like, Mm -hmm. you've got to find a way, especially in this era where there are so many distractions and so many avenues to forms of media, you have to continue to innovate and find a way. So maybe a little easier in the 60s and 70s, but in this day and age, I mean, you have to find a way to make learning music interesting to young people. I mean, you, you absolutely have to. So this happened for you. Before we go on with the rest of the story here, though, I don't like to get too far into the show without hearing a song. Okay. And there's one here with your name on it called mm-hmm. The Drunken Prisoner of Circumstance. <laughs> I would like to know more about this song. Yeah, this was one of those I, I did on my last album, Somnambulous Chaser, which was actually five years ago somehow. And, um, you know, I had like a couple hundred songs, and I we went in the studio, Creation Audio, like kind of a legendary studio, Tom Herbers, and I, my band, The Bottom mm-hmm. 40. And, and all of a sudden, I was like, oh, i got to teach these guys all these songs I've written, you know? like Hundreds of them. Yeah, hundreds of them. But I'm wow. like, which ones, you know? And whatever popped into my head. And I thought of this one, and it's like, I don't even... I've listened to them a million times, my demos, and know them, but it's like, I don't even, I've never played them, so it's like, I'd say, okay, give me like five minutes, and turn, <laughs> <laughs> turn around and like, oh my God, it's only got two chords in it, you know? Like, I didn't even really think about it till then. And so we just started playing, and, and it was just, it's one of the things I love about music and playing music with people is, is just that, and those guys, you know, I pl- probably played more at the bottom 40 than any other band, you know, so you get to know each other really well and and just know where to go with stuff. And it was just like kind of this magic take, you know, where it was just, wow, this is real. And, of course, we messed with it, you know, a little bit for the next five years or so <laughs> <laughs> and did some reverse guitar stuff. But, but I got so mixed up because even the forward guitar stuff sounded like reverse guitar stuff. So I was like, I don't know. And then we brought in this... Uh, like early on, Tom Herbers, you know, he just he said, you know what would be good is like a like a horn section, like a Salvation Army band kind of thing on here. And there's a band called the Brass Messengers and hmm. he was working with and so that was the plan. Like, yeah, let's get him in here and then, you know, several years later we get him in there and then I'm like, What do I tell him to do? He's like, I don't know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Sounds like everything's on track. Yeah, everything was on track and I, I just kinda said, Okay, it goes like this and 
maybe follow the weird guitar part or something, you know, and then anyway, it's really fun. And I, sometimes I forget that they kind of kick in later in the song and it's just, just, it's a kind of a stream of consciousness song and it's just, uh, I, I don't know. It's kind of a fun one. And I just thought I'd pick that as an example from the record.
dexterity The fact I no longer dance Alas, I become A drunken prisoner of circumstance Like I said before, bong rips. <laughs> Joe Fahey is our guest, local Minnesota singer-songwriter here with a song right there called The Drunken Prisoner of Circumstance. Joe, I want you to know something. You know, you and I don't know each other that well. We have mm -hmm. a zillion mutual friends, and we've probably crossed paths before. The reason I reached out to you to have you on the show today is that we have one mutual friend who I respect so dearly and adore and haven't seen in so very long, but he has been a guest on this podcast before. Uh, when I saw that Terry Walsh referenced the fact that you had a brand new record on the way called February on Ice, and he referred to you as one of the best songwriters in Minnesota, I'm like, well, fuck it. That's all I need. I didn't have to hear a song. I, I literally sent you a text the second I read that because Terry uh -huh. Walsh, is a glorious, shining ray of light in an otherwise dismal, cloudy <laughs> world. How do you know Terry Walsh? Um, I, you know, we were like uh, when I had my band Carp Eighteen. He had one, uh, Terry Walsh, and at two a.m. we played maybe one gig together. I didn't know, I didn't really know him, but um, we maybe ten or more years ago we started working at the Music Box Theater, trying to make something happen down there. Right. So I got to know him through there, and we started kind of. Um, messing around, you know, we wrote a couple things together and stuff like that, but yeah, he's always been super supportive of me as a songwriter. And, um, and that was cool of him to say that, you know, cause then, and then, you know, I've also, I started going to see, um, St. Dominic's trio a lot, like at Nye's and, and really in my whole life, I never really had like a, like a thing, like a weekly thing, like, you know, going to a, a place and it was, a. Uh, Part of your routine. It was. It was, you know, and, and they were just my favorite band because Terry's the best band leader I've ever met. He's infectious. I mean, it's crazy. Like, I'm I'm an okay Van Morrison fan. The number of times I've gone to see him live, mm -hmm. do Belfast Cowboys, and play so much Van Morrison, there's something about... I have a thing that I like to say all the time, like whether any kind of artist, any kind of person, any kind of anything you do, any kind of realtor... Oh, see, that's just way too much love today for one day. Uh, I need to believe them, though, right? I mean, yeah, like, you yeah. know, whether you're talking about your therapist or your realtor or a great band leader, I believe Terry Walsh. When I watch him yeah. perform live, there are very few people who lure you in and cast the spell that that guy can cast. Yeah, it's true. And and the whole band, too. I just, I love those guys, you know, and that was part of it. And uh, and then, of course, you could go to the piano bar, too, you know, John Eller. Oh, yeah. It was, those was obviously some good times and it continued at the driftwood of course and everything but oh, yeah. um and then they you know terry would say hey come on up and play a song so i get to play you know a couple and he'd always say no originals you know because i've never been very good with covers for whatever reason i i think it has to do with like um short-term memory loss or something you know, for <laughs> lyrics <and Bong rips>. <laughs> <laughs> but it, you know so it's like wow somebody that wants me to play you know and god jamming with those guys was such a treat you know well they're they're all so good and so talented now before we talk about your forthcoming release i would like to ask you a couple other questions do you currently reside in the northern suburbs because a decent yes. number of now only i only ask because i'm from there like i coon rapids 
whether I like it or not, is woven into my blood. And um, you don't have to tell me exactly where you live, but you recently posted a picture on social media of the little outdoor signage for Northtown Mall. Now, (laughs) I I can't, if it was sunrise over Northtown or sunset over Northtown or something, I grew up from fourth grade until I graduated high school and hit the ground running out of Coon Rapids. I grew up on University Avenue, less than a block away from University Avenue, the dividing line between Coon Rapids and Blaine. I spent all of my most important formative years going to Northtown Mall, (laughs) spending time at Piccadilly Circus and Space Odyssey, blowing all my allowance, throwing coins in that weird rock fountain they had. Now, again, this is gather around kids. Grandpa's telling a story. (laughs) But these were the very confused teenage years where I was caught somewhere between a new wave weirdo who liked to wear a trench coat and they had an asymmetrical (laughs) haircut, but also believed that I was the first white b-boy of all time and i found run dmc years before anybody got into hip-hop so we would go down there and you know me in a t-shirt with a a a tokyo rising sun but sleeveless oh no with these skinny little toothpick pictures and and like silver flight (laughs) pants and we'd hit the orange julius and then just sit around like we were cool my buddy tony my buddy tony would bring his boom box and not um, tony erickson I'm trying to keep things relatively anonymous, but yes, <laughs> Tony Erickson and I. So he lived in Blaine. I lived in Coon Rapids. We would. I. I cannot. I cannot possibly overstate the number of hours I spent killing time. Like mall rats. You don't have any fucking idea what it's like to spend time at a mall. I lived at Northtown Mall in my teenage years. You live up in that neck of the woods. I live in Fridley. Yep. Which, friendly like- Fridley. Yeah, that's what they say. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's funny. I think that was all started by like Viking Chevrolet, you know, probably you know, way back in the day. Friendly, yeah. And everybody's like, oh, where do you live? Friendly, friendly, friendly. And I go, fuck off. Is friendly, is friendly, <laughs> which you are welcome to say to me. I won't take it personally. No. Is that pink motel that was in Fridley still there where you drive mm. by the little lake? Was that, was that I mean, Fridley or was that Columbia oh. Heights? There oh, used to be shoot, a weird yeah. little pink it's Columbia Hype, by it, the way, not Heights. It is Heights. God. There, there is, yeah, there's more lake than north of there. There's a little hotel. and um, It was like a weird motel. pink roadside motel. Yeah. Not saying I ever lied to my parents and <laughs> said I was going to be staying at a friend's house and went there. Is it an hourly? Shit, why don't you remind me that my mom listens to every one of these podcasts? <laughs> right. You're still going to Just kidding, grounded. Mom. I was just trying to be cool in front of my new friends. But yeah, it's like... It's no funny because people think, oh, Fridley, that's like up by Canada, right? You know, and it's like, well, yeah, it's, I mean, it does connect with Minneapolis. And it's like less than 20 minutes away. It's like, I know we were going to move, you know, we were going to move into the city and then we're just like, I hate it. To, turns into that thing where I don't want to move my kids around, you know? Yeah, no, like totally. You know what I mean? Well, where you, you as a find, kid like, moved around constantly. Right. And I just sort of wanted it different than that for them. And I remember asking them, you know, like, hey, are you guys cool, with, you know, growing up here? And they, I go, yeah. Just keep telling those stories, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I didn't mind growing up in Coon Rapids. Now, I did leave the second I could. Yeah. But, I mean, without growing up there, I'm not the person I am today, and I'm not entirely dissatisfied with the person I am today. Growing up in Coon Rapids, <laughs> I mean, I grew up in the 80s, right? And so it it was very much a John Hughes movie, Coon Rapids Senior High, when I grew mm-hmm. up there. Very yeah. much. I mean, it was stratified totally. like that. There were totally different groups. And I kind of liked being an outsider and a weirdo and getting called faggot every single day. <laughs> oh. 
Yeah, just awful that they used to say that all the well, time. I mean, high again, school's rough, you know. And, yeah. and, 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 but I mean, it's, any, no matter what who about, you are, environment. did you ever get dickweed at all? <laughs> more, I, we were more of a dillweed. <laughs> oh, you were yeah, dillweed. dillweed. We were yeah, more dillweed of a dillweed, dillweed yeah. school yeah. than dickweed. But yeah. yeah, no, it happened. And you know, I, I don't mean to throw the f word around so casually, but like, I had a cute girlfriend. Here was the problem. Yeah. Do you guys remember? Uh, when it came to having your ears pierced, which again in the seventies or eighties was still very challenging in the northern suburbs, left is right and right is wrong because if you had your Ooh. right ear pierced, that meant you were straight queer, right? Yeah. Well, for whatever they understood, guys wearing Judas Priest T-shirts and Queen T-shirts calling me the F word. Oh, <laughs> I'll remember it and laugh about it till the day I die. But I got both my ears pierced. Ooh. Nobody knew what to do. I was like from a different dimension. That's great. Yeah, but the best they could come up with was the F word. Uh, anyway, yeah. <laughs> the northern suburbs are, I, I liked growing up there and I had very good friends and it was challenging, but it made me think more. It made me realize what I really wanted out of life and not like the northern suburbs are this hideous wasteland, but Coon Rapids <laughs> was in the 80s. <laughs> well, it's just funny because, I mean, I was, I lived all over the country in a lot of different situations and then I lived in Minneapolis North Minneapolis, and then when I moved out of home, I moved to Northeast, which is way different back then. You know? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's where my dad was from, and I was always like, oh, Northeast, don't go over there, you know. It's too, <laughs> too boring or, you know, whatever. Right. But, uh, you know, it's really changed quite a bit. And then, you know, ends up where you I worked at Medtronic, and, you know, my wife and I, and she's from Fridley. She grew up there, and, and we, um, you know, you settle down, and a lot of it had to do with, you know, when you're trying to play m- music in Minneapolis, you get, like, this is the Minneapolis police and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> or the neighbors calling and then like nice soul asylum drop there. <laughs> only because Dave Perner's in yeah. that replacement spit there. Yeah. So. Thanks. And then, um, and then all of a sudden, Oh, a house with a basement, you know, and then, you know, nothing wrong with that. So it, it is kind of funny. Cause I don't, I don't know. It's just a funny thing. The perceptions of, of things, but, um, I get it. Yeah. I feel a little bit disconnected, but I, I know when we're looking at moving, I, I remember taking like a map with a, a string and a pin and like going, okay, I want to stay within a certain distance from First Avenue, you know? Understood. Like, and it really is. It's like a 10 minute run down there or something. Easy. Parking. No, Fridley's not that far away. It will, like, I work at a record store in Hopkins, right? Mm-hmm. And people are like, oh, but Hopkins, it, they, they think that you're going to Zombrota, right? Oh. <laughs> Second Zumbrota. Wow, look at you. Shout out to yeah. Zumbrota. Hey, City Council, we could do a lot for your image on this show. Retown. May want to uh, talk to Sean uh, about potential sponsorship opportunities. I like it. I like your chances. <laughs> <laughs> um, Proximity is important. Hey, we have to, before the show wraps up, we have to talk about your new record. Right. But before we right. do, I want to hear another song because we've gone too long without music. Okay. Tell me about Carpet. So you've played in many bands over the years, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Tell me about Carp 18. Most importantly, was Carp 1 through 17 already taken? <laughs> yep, they were. <laughs> we checked. Um, yeah, that was a good band. I, I I don't know. It was just like I played for so long and, you know, like basement bands and parties. And like I said, this is the Minneapolis police, you know, coming bust, you know, and maybe a couple gigs out. But then then I started one with the ta- called The Tangents with Randy, who had been with forever. And we're, okay, this is original, let's do original, you know, and did that for a few years, and then I, we ended up with a couple guys that I really connected with, and we started Carp 18, and, and we just connected, and on kind of the punk rock level, kind of, you know, or like, just like, we loved the replacements, and Velvet Underground, if you call it that, you know, and just Soul Asylum, 
it was just such a night. But those guys, it was funny. At least one of them was really also into classic country. Like he grew up in Albert Lee and his dad would take him to see Johnny Cash and George Jones and all those guys. That's so, awesome, though, yeah, by the way. I mean, was, can you imagine having seen Johnny Cash live? I know. It kills me. I mean, I, I wanted to see all those people. You know, he's usually at a casino show, and I'd go, oh, I don't know. Right. But, man, I regret it. You know, but he grew up that that way, and and I really learned a lot about country music through Dave, you know. And, I mean, even though we were kind of like rock or punk rock or whatever, you know, we call it, um, you know, country started kind of, coming into it and, and affecting my songwriting. And, and I didn't really feel like a songwriter. I didn't even know what one kind of was, you know, I just thought the Beatles got together and did bong rips and jammed and there it was, you know, but it was like, I didn't think about somebody sitting down writing and those guys were like, they respected my songwriting and encouraged me. And so it was, a, it was, it was a cool thing. And we, um, and then that's when things started really happening where I was really playing out at clubs and stuff and recording for the first time, you know, Right, so how long ago is this song we're about to hear? Well, let me think. This is roughly like ninety-three or four or something like that. Okay, so coming up on thirty years. But it, but it, and that was like an old song I'd written when I was young. And I call it "I Love Love" because I couldn't really be serious about stuff, you know. I am the Edison Phonograph, created by the Great Wizard of the New World to delight those who would have melody or be amused. I can sing you tender songs of love.
having come of age in the mid to late 80s and really cutting my teeth as a young, ardent Minneapolis Darling music fan in the early 90s, um, that song is so much of its time. Fantastic. <laughs> I love that sound, man. I mean, Thanks. people yeah. talk about Prince and the Minneapolis sound, and that very, very much was a thing that probably had even farther reaching implications. But the sound of local rock in the early 90s to the mid 90s it, it, it's etched in my bones. I, I was out four or five nights a week, and I saw all the bands all the time. And I love that guitar tone. I love that vocal approach. I love I love the whole bit. So that was awesome. Carp eighteen. I love love, which is available on the internet. Apparently, it's everywhere. Yeah. It's it's weird though. Sometimes like you go like, oh man, I want to go back and hear this band. <laughs> and as prolific as the internet is, it's big enough to have everything on it. There are some things that are just these There's these black gaps. holes. There are these gaps, right? Yeah. And so I love that that's on there, and we could listen to it. All right, before we wrap things up, and we do have to wrap things up fairly soon here, you have a brand new effort. How long has it been since you put out a proper album? Um, the last one is 2016, so okay. it's like five years. And I and as soon as I I thought, I'm not letting another five years go by. Right. You know, but... And well, because who knows? So February on Ice is the name of the release, yeah. which you can already pre-order on Bandcamp. Yeah. When's it actually out? The 26th of February. Okay, so yeah. before the end of the month, you can actually get it, but you can pre-order it now on Bandcamp. Right. And again, as we like to stress on this show, Bandcamp Friday is the best way to benefit local artists, right? They, awesome. yeah. they They waive their fees, which even... Even for a place as cool and as sort of for the common person and working class ethic of Bandcamp seems pretty fucking cool in this day and age to waive your fees on a given day. I mean, I know it gives them a big uptick. It makes people go to Bandcamp who maybe have never been there before. I understand the value in it, but it still seems very egalitarian and cool as hell that Bandcamp does that. I like it. I'm new to Bandcamp because I... I was never good enough to go to real band camp. You know? <laughs> <laughs> this one time at band camp, Joe. Well, wait, wait. Oh, oh just Go kidding. Ahead. I understand. Well, now but, you're on this band camp. February on Ice. Yeah. These are songs that have been in the hopper for a while. Were they written during the oppressive winter of our discontent <laughs> of the pandemic? Where do these songs well, come from? Okay, I write every year. I do the songwriting thing, kind of an international, like a, you know, support group or whatever you call it. You just write like a whole album, 14 songs, 15 on leap years. Last <laughs> and you do this every year, yeah, for like eleven years, and then like my last album was sort of because you just write the, you're under pressure, so you write some pretty crazy songs, you know, whatever catchphrases, you know, whatever. They, but you know, it's funny how how much I love the songs that you write so fast. Yeah, you know? I just do. Well, sometimes they're a lot of hard work, and other times they just fall into your head, right? Right. Yeah. And then like my last album, Somnambulist Chaser, is sort of a collection of several years of that, just taking oh, I'll take stuff that resembles real songs more. And last year. <laughs> I did it like with using GarageBand, which is another thing I've never used in my life. I mean, I've done lots of home recording, but there was something about it that was just so easy. You know, you there's these drummers that almost sound real, and you have to create this like background for him. Like, oh, Mitch, he's uh, he plays stab scotch between takes or something. <laughs> just trying to like, you know, because I hate metronomes and I hate blah blah, blah yeah. drum machines, but this felt different, and I I just cranked out these fifteen songs, and then I thought damn it, I'm going to put this out, you know? So I thought, I'm going to take this piece of crap and send it to Abbey Road because I saw they did mastering, you know? And it's like, I'm going to just send it there and see what happens. But then, you know, and then I kind of put it off because I'm like, because uh, I personally like the home recordings and stuff, you know, just right. where backup vocals are off and something's messed up always. And I like them, but I'm like, well, 
I ran into uh, like Dan Kowalki, you know, from St. Dominic's Trio, the guitar player that right. like blows everybody's minds every week. You know, him and I, I don't know, we we actually lived together in Brooklyn Center in the first house I lived in. You know, and it was kind of funny, you know, and um, and I met him a couple other times through life, you know, and like I went to see his band open for Badfinger at Thumpers, you know, nice. in the Thumpers, early Coon Rapids, yeah, baby. <laughs> in the early, you know, so he's from the north kind of side of things. Anyway, I, I played at the Theater Worth place. It was kind of like my last gig. Somebody posted something. The last gig I played was last January, like a year ago yesterday. Mm-hmm. And then that's when things started falling apart where like gigs started getting canceled. And, you know, I had tickets. The last show I would have gone to was Wire at Fine Line. And I nice. had to work late. And I, I missed it. I was so bummed out, you know. But anyway, months later in September, you know, I played a gig at that, that place, Theater Worth, Mill Valley. It was new and um played outside and I, I just never felt so good about playing outside and Dan biked down and and he's a fan of my writing and stuff and he, he, we always talk about maybe working together or something and it's like and I knew he did recording at home and I'm like screw it I said hey let's are you busy you know and I went to his house and it was right up my in my old like kind of neighborhood where all my band stuff it was just kind of this weird mm-hmm. I don't know what you call it but but every year I tried to put out an album serendipity like, it was cool and it was just bit. Yeah, that's and it. so it's just kind of this. Okay, we wear, wear masks, and I sit on the other end of the living room, and just totally bare bones. I mean, not a studio at all. And I just strum my guitar, played all these songs which I knew by now, and <laughs> from listening to them, and no metronome or nothing, you know. And then he'd fix the timing because I'd probably I have heard that I drift all over the place, but it mm. must not have been that bad. And then he <laughs> bong rip, <laughs> bong rip, and then. And then he would like send me these mixes, you know, because he's like this master musician. I mean, guitarist for sure, but keyboards and stuff too. And we're kind of both from the same era, you know, and um, synthesizers from the 70s and stuff like that. And I'm I'd, listening. I'd load it up like my, and GarageBand, you could like emulate any kind of these synthesizers. And oh. I kind of had fun. I didn't kind of have fun. I had lots of fun with that. And then he had all this kind of technology too to create these really accurate synthesizers, you know, and then... And then he'd like send me like a few mixes and I'd go, oh my God, you know, because <laughs> it's it just these beautiful landscapes and, and stuff. And uh, and speaking of North Town Mall, there's this one song called That North Town Mall Has Got It All that I was going to play today. <laughs> there used to be a county seat at North Town Mall yeah, where I bought sweet. a pair of, uh, I was a weird alternate kid and I bought a pair of women's jeans um, that had flower print on them, but it was a real muted flower print wow. because I... I wore it with my paisley shirt and my little brooch. Thank you very much. All buttoned all the way up. Here's what's weird. I didn't realize it was, I was that many years old. What was I, 16? When I realized that women's jeans aren't cut the same way as men's jeans. <laughs> there is room for hips and the waist is tighter. And I was like, why do these fit so funny as I'm trying on women's pants in the county seat? Joe, we got to wrap oh, up there, man. But before dang. we go, I got to ask you. Um, yeah, we're, we're coming up on an hour here. Uh, I got to ask you, is it true that February on Ice, even though it's available before the end of the month, that there is a scheduled outdoor record release party for this September? Right. Wow. Just I mean, playing it safe, you know? Why not? I mean, and, and, and fingers crossed that everything's cool by I then. I hope so, yeah. But, I mean, it's at Mill Valley Market, so yeah. if people want to know more, they can go online. Where could they, where, where's the best place to find not only Joe Fahey, but more specifically his music if people want to go on the internet? Well, I have a Bandcamp page now, joefahey.bandcamp.com, and, mm-hmm. I, and I have a Facebook page and a Twitter page and, and 
Which and is, is it which is, is it at Joe Fahey at all those places? Yeah, yeah. Lucky there wasn't I, another Joe Fahey that got there first. It was like not Joe Fahey there, eighteen. There is another Joe Fahey from like Nova Scotia that you know, like a Screw folk singer. Guy. Dude, I'm actually I'm actually <laughs> a big Halifax guy. Real. Halifax, Nova Scotia, home to Sloan, one of the great power oh, pop cool. bands of the last yeah. twenty five years. Home to Sarah McLaughlin. Wow, greatest Miss Pac Man player I've ever seen in my entire life. And Halifax, Nova Scotia, home. To April Wine, motherfucker. Oh, my God. I had, I had no idea. Boom. Halifax. So this other Joe Fahey, suck it. Get in line because there is a lot of other stuff going on in, in Nova Scotia. Yeah. Um, and you're going on right here, right now. Joe Fahey's our guest. February on Ice is the new record. Record release party September 10th happening at Mill Valley Market. Yeah. If people want to put it on their calendar Outdoors now. Outdoors and... I do also have a web page, joefahey.com, joefahey.music.com. Yeah. Good. Well, I like people to go do those things and check Thank out your you. music, and good luck with the new release. Hey, I appreciate it. And with any luck, we'll be watching you do it live in September. Yeah. It we'll sounds like a then. long ways away, but imagine this last year. I know. <sighs> I mean, maybe something will happen where I'll play, you know, before. But it's just sort of like, I don't know. I just Vaccine wanna... party, baby. You get yeah. your hands on a bunch of black market COVID vaccines, <laughs> yeah. and we have an underground basement vaccine That's party. Absolutely. Huge. Absolutely. Yeah. I like it. It's got a... It, now, now Velvet Underground, right? Right. Also, maybe some bong rips. Sean, thank you very much, man. Good to see your face. I think if anybody had bong rips or Zambroda on their Brian Ocho bingo card, they've done quite well. <laughs> oh, if you had bong rips on your bingo card, you blacked out the whole board. Or Nova Scotia. <laughs> specifically, yeah. specifically Halifax. There are other places. Just like not everybody's in Minneapolis, Summer in Fridley, not everyone's in Halifax. But I couldn't name another Nova Scotian town with a gun to my head. Joe, thank you very thank much. Thank you, Brian. Yeah, thank you, Sean. You bet. Thank you. Good luck with the new record. Thank Thanks you. to Smart Start MN. Thanks to Audio Quip. Thank you to all of our Patreon members. And, you know, out there in the sun, when the wind has died down, you know, negative two is not that no. terrible. It's cold, but it's shining. not that terrible. But last night as I was getting done with work, the sun started to go down and there was a wind howling through the alley behind work. And I was like, fuck me. It was cold, <laughs> man. It was. I, I didn't bother to look. I didn't need to do that or, you know, do some sort of uh, grandiose post on the social media. But it was really cold and it made me think about my very single favorite cold weather song. And that's how we're going to wrap up episode 131 of The Brian Oak Show.
Carry news. <laughs> 